1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Friends, welcome to another episode of Recovery. I'm one of your hosts, Sarah Heath, and our other co-host is Justin Gentry. Recovery is a podcast really about recovering from anything that's a vocational, whether that is that you were a uh, pastor or maybe you were a super volunteer at your church. Maybe you had a job that everyone just thought was really great and it still wasn't enough or the right fit for you. So it's all about whatever it is that we need to recover or transition from. So today I'm so excited to have our guest. His name is Jeff Kane. Jeff was a graphic designer and content creator at a megachurch, an in-house content creator for years. And after deconstructing not just the art that he was asked to do, he also deconstructed the faith that led him to create that kind of art. So the conversation goes to lots of different places, including what creativity looks like inside and outside of the church, and how to stay to what is instead of focusing on what was and finding a new way forward and what he believes letting go has done and how everything isn't as scary as you think when you finally let go of the things that you once solidly believe. So this is a fantastic conversation and I hope you check out Jeff's work and thanks so much for listening. So with no further ado, here it is. Hi friends, it's Sarah and my co-host. Justin. And Jeff. Jeff, welcome to the show. You should know that um, Justin struggles to respond to his own name. I'm sorry. You jumped right in. We, I, I said had I barely was had going to jump in. And so then I jumped in. That was, you're right, but I was not prepared for the speed at which <laughs> I had to know my name. <laughs> Jeff, welcome. Um, welcome yeah. to the show. Hello, Sarah and Justin. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Excited to have you. So, um, Jeff, I'm really excited to talk to you. I uh, came across your content because you were doing a lot of stuff about deconstruction. And then you talked about being a creative who worked at a church. And so I would love to ask you the question that we ask everybody, uh, which is, like, how long were you in ministry? At what level were you in it? And what were you in for? And we understand that it sounds like prison. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's a good bit. I like that. I was um, I was in for around six years uh, on staff at a mega church. I was a graphic designer, so started as an intern and sort of moved up the ranks to junior designer, senior designer, before ultimately leaving the church and continued to contract them with them for a while as a freelancer, and then and then we sort of went our separate ways. So. About six years, maybe a little bit more with with contract work. That is incredible. Like, uh, just so uh, mainliners that are listening, some churches have graphic designers, not even just one, multiple. That there was junior, senior. <laughs> like, what? That's incredible. How yeah. big was attendance at this church? Oh man, we uh, they like to say it was ten thousand, but that was kind of the peak, you know, of back in our heyday. So it was, you know, anywhere from. 10 to 6,000 or so on any given weekend, sort of depending on that the time of year incredible. and all that. Incredible. That's wild. It is church, mm-hmm. church math is hilarious because <laughs> it's like we are whatever our highest Sunday was. Yes. Like yeah. Christmas yeah. Day yeah. 2017, we hit a thousand people. We're a church a of a thousand people, mm-hmm. even if regularly yeah. it's 700 yeah, exactly. or less. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, so as a graphic artist, I have so many questions because you're getting to do really cool creative content. What made you, well, maybe uh, you can answer that for yourself. Uh, what made you uh, yeah. take a split from the work originally? Uh, split from, from working at yeah. the church. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I started working at the church when I was fully full blown, like conservative Christian as I was raised, you know, went, went to Bible college, all that. And then throughout, uh, <laughs> Oh, did you know? Okay. So throughout my time there, I sort of like was beginning to question, beginning to 
deconstruct, that kind of thing, you know, and, and then ended up like probably staying a little bit longer because COVID happened. So we transitioned to working from home and then that made it kind of a, an easy transition from working from home to contracting with them. Also moved to a different state time for, for my wife's work. So that, that was kind of a convenient thing because I was like kind of wanting to get out anyway. Um, and so it was, it was nice to be able to, um, have that excuse of, of moving and let's see, is does that answer your question or why did I ultimately? No, that totally answers. The reason I ultimately cut. Go ahead. Okay. Well, yeah. no, that was my next question. So uh, go. So, <laughs> yeah. So I was continuing to contract for them without being on staff. So that was nice. Cause I was still, you know, still like a, a steady paycheck, but I didn't have to like show up for meetings. I didn't need to like, I don't know, be, be a representative of the church in the same way. And in, uh, like I said, I, I was beginning to like just, question and doubt whether I still believed in all this stuff at the time. And then after, after leaving staff, I really gave myself quite a bit more permission to kind of decide what I wanted to believe, explore more things, question like, you know, cause before I was like kind of questioning, like, you know, like I still believe in God and Jesus and stuff, but I'm not sure that the mega church model is, is the right thing is really like in line with the heart of Jesus, all that, you know, classic, uh, Slippery slope questioning yep. stuff. Yeah, yeah. As as a contractor no longer on staff, I was going a little bit farther than that, more like questioning, like, I don't even know if God exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, am, am I an atheist now who still like contracts for this mega church? And, and so eventually I decided that that was where I was at. I, I don't I don't even believe in God anymore. Reached out to my superiors who I was contracting with at the church and kind of let them know. Um you know, this is, this is where I'm at. So I'm guessing you guys don't really want to work with me anymore. Surprisingly, they were, they were pretty chill about it. They were, they said, no, we still, we like working with you. So if you want to keep going, then we can continue on. So continued on for, for a few months. And then the reason I ultimately stopped working for them was we got to a financial series, which was, which is something that we'd done at this church before, um, you know, pretty, pretty regularly do a financial series about once a year or so. And because of where I was at, what I believed at that time, I didn't feel comfortable with the language that I knew the church was going to use in Mm -hmm. terms of saying things like, God doesn't need your money. Or if you'll just like be faithful in giving your money to God in in a little bit, then he'll be faithful, you know, all all this kind of uh, just this language of asking people to give their money to God. To me, it just seemed very disingenuous. I didn't feel comfortable with it. I felt like it would be much more honest if we could just say, you know, God doesn't need your money, but we do. If we just framed it as like, we, you're donating your hard-earned money to this nonprofit organization. Like, cause and here's what you get out of it. PR. Yeah. Yeah. Like I support other like creators on Patreon. Like there's nothing wrong with like asking for donations to continue your, you know, your creative work and whatever. But it just felt like disingenuous to say like you're giving the money to God because you're not giving the money to God. You're giving the money to the church. Yeah. Because if you like stop and think about it, you're like, so then can God just like it? Does God already have the money? Like it's a very like, Mm. yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Why or why is God limited by money? Why can't he just mm-hmm. produce whatever like programming resources he needs? Um, you know, ex ex nihilio, right? <laughs> yeah, you got it. He, he could just show up and say like, "Hey guys, I'm real." <laughs> you know, like you know, hey, something helpful. Hey, some some churches with dust claim this is true. Yeah, fair. So anyway, that so that was kind of the I had I had you know emailed my superiors once again and told them that, you know, I don't really feel comfortable. Is there a way that I could maybe just not do this series and you could find someone else to do the graphics for this? Or is there, is there any chance you would like change your language <laughs> to make it more reasonable? And then, so they, they called me after that email and said, yeah, okay, let's, let's not work together anymore. So. And were you relying on their pay? Like, was it, cause a lot of times what we hear from folks who are working for the church, it's really difficult because it's a big I mean, it, they stay in it longer. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. Was that like a huge financial? Totally, yeah. Funny that the finances affected your finances. Right, right. I was like, yeah. God, God doesn't need the church's money, but I, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, they were, they were my 
number one client for sure. Like I said, I was freelancing. So I had other people I was working for as well, but I mean, yeah, that, that was a huge financial hit in terms of like, if I'm not going to be working with them anymore, I'm going to have to go, you know, find other, other sources of income. So. And and was that possible or was that a difficult move? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was possible. I was able to, you know, I mean, devote my, my time that I would have been like working on church graphics to like reaching out to other people and finding other clientele. So yeah, like it, it worked out, but of course it's, you know, it's always a bummer to lose like a, a consistent client, like a consistent source of income and Mm -hmm. steady work. And, you know, it was, it was people that I'd worked with for years. So we had a relationship, like I, I enjoyed working with them. We had kind of a rapport and all of that. So yeah, it was, it was kind of sad to, to close the door on that. Absolutely. How did you feel as a creative within the church walls? Like, so before you left uh, to freelance, cause you, you kind of mentioned that part of your story is that you started deconstruct. Like you went to, you went to Bible school. Like, let's just, you started there and now you're like, yeah, I might be an atheist. And you said that within mm, five minutes. I feel like it was a bigger process than that. And like, how was Mm -hmm. that as a creative being in a church space? Cause you're, your stuff is so creative, like even the art that you do, like you're so creative. And so being in a church space, was that, what was that like? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I felt like I, I had that cognitive dissonance, like basically the entire time I was there on staff. I mean, maybe, maybe there was a time towards the beginning when I just felt like when it was all good, I just felt like I'm lucky to be here. This is incredible. Like, yeah. Uh, Sarah, when you were saying like, oh, the, your church was big enough that they had like not just one, but multiple graphic designers on staff, you know, like, yeah, I totally recognize that that is uh, a privilege that I got to enjoy for a season of my life of just having this kind of cushy graphic design job where like I had my own office and uh, subscription to the Adobe suite (sighs) and, you know, all the hardware I needed and everything. And I, you know, I got to just, just like make slides and brochures and handouts all day. And, you know, people just treated me like I was some kind of creative genius for for putting together a a slide presentation for the weekend message and that kind of thing. Here we are again, guys, Um, which is that tech and uh, church people, odd mix. We believe it's magic. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. I I was I can't tell you how many years I was tech support for the church I was involved in simply because I was the youngest member on staff. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, the computer things. Like, I do, but I, yeah, yeah. that's, I'm not a graphic designer. <laughs> totally. For sure. It, so it was really fun. Cause that was, you know, that's like, I went to Bible college and I also studied, um, graphic design in Bible college, which, you know, just free advice here. If, if you're serious about going into digital art, graphic design, I wouldn't recommend going to Bible <laughs> college. I would recommend going, going to art school or something like that, <laughs> or just being self-taught on YouTube, honestly, is you know, probably a better, better use of your time and resources. What was that? Like like I said, what did they teach you in Bible college uh, for graphic art? Like, here's how you make Jesus's hair really flowy. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we had like normal graphic design classes, but just we didn't devote like 100% of our time to that because I had like, you know, I had a graphic design class that was just about, you know, like, typography and layout or something like that and then i also had a class on like the gospel of john or the epistle of romans or Mm -hmm. old testament history you know so so it was it was separated but yeah for sure i mean because it obviously this the school that i went to was much more focused and had much more of a, a reputation for creating like ministers and missionaries and that kind of thing but it was it was kind of a liberal arts bible college like they had you know like a a nursing department and uh you know i was in the communications department of course so again it's yeah if you if you want to be like a world-renowned graphic designer i wouldn't recommend going to bible college there but you know i mean they had a couple of of classes that were you know had nothing to do with jesus or the bible or christianity basically they were just like regular classes okay Hmm. well it's good to know i mean there wasn't just like a papyrus font forever class where you're just like here's how you use papyrus font here's how you use it in a different way i'm just kidding Mm -hmm. (laughs) i feel Mm -hmm. like that's the bible font yeah i feel like our our i've been mainline so i was united methodist i'm united methodist and uh Mm -hmm. it it 
it's hilarious about five years ago, maybe longer, the, the we found out about papyrus and now you can't stop us. You cannot. And you should have stopped us, but no one is oh, stopping us. You guys, you guys just found out about well, it. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but it was it was way, <laughs> way more recent than I'd like to admit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember in in college, uh, we had to do we had to like study a font and like do a poster based on a font. And so the the font that I chose was Cooper Black, which uh, I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with that. It's the the Garfield logo what else uh like the the black keys had a album art that was all just cooper black typography anyway so it, it's remained a favorite um even all these years later i love so, that yeah I, i'm happy to say we we transcended the papyrus the papyrus wells we just thought like because a lot of times art within the church so i i find art interesting because art within the church used to be the church was the place where people could um like the common people could uh be able to like see art from the way the walls were done, the windows, uh, and, and, you know, common people weren't seeing art in the same way, you know, um, and, you know, just went to a Renaissance fair today. Uh, and in those times, uh, mm. and they were, you know, that's where you saw your art, uh, was most often. And your artists oh, yeah. were the, the, those that were the patrons of it were the church was the church. And so, it was a way of sort of, um, what's the word I want, like leveling the playing field for people to be able to experience art. And then I think what's interesting is then there was this shift almost where church was trying to catch up to what art was happening outside of the church. And then mm-hmm. a- another thing that's fascinating to me is it feels like uh, those who are mainline churches, we kind of like waited to see what the mega churches were doing and then would try to like replicate that at whatever level that we could, you know, like slides guys were like i i was around when slides started to be used and it was like we've got slides here so we're doing it you know and i think it's it's interesting how what once was on the forefront like so churches were ahead of the game it's now they're pretty far behind or they're imitating what like i have there's a church very close to me that uses slogans from what's happening in the world which this person is Mm -hmm. clearly clever like it's almost like weird owls level of clever of figuring out how to like mimic what's in the world but it uh it, it feels weird it feels like a weird rub but what do you guys think about this this like the what happened to art in the church you know uh yeah yeah it's it's fascinating um i, I hear what you're saying there about how like yeah centuries ago the, the church was at the forefront of the art scene and like you know when you think of classical art it's the the vast majority of it is religious in nature and that's sort of an interesting question of like whether whether the artists were actually creating work out of religious conviction themselves or if that was just like because it was commissioned by the church because the church was the one with the power and money to commission commission things like that right like like the Sistine Chapel was was Michelangelo in his heart of hearts a, a true believer or was that just an opportunity because that presented itself because the Catholic church like wanted this fresco to be painted. I don't know. That, that's an interesting question that I think about a lot. Cause I, yeah, as like a modern creative person, especially like a couple of years ago when I was a Christian, that was a, that was something that really bothered me about the fact that Christian art and music and movies and anything, any kind of creative output like that seemed to be like, imitating the the secular world if i can use that term mm-hmm. and kind of like trying to play catch up with it but just being like a pale imitation of it um i thought about this all the time with music because i remember as a kid i was always taught that the true purpose for music is to bring glory to god and mm-hmm. worship god and everything and any so any kind of secular music is like a lesser version of that because it's not living up to its true purpose I don't know if you guys resonate with this, this kind of teaching. Oh yeah. And I remember having this, yeah, this feeling that like, well, wait a minute. What, if that's true, then why is like the secular music so much better than the Christian music? Shouldn't the Christian music be of a higher quality? If I have to tell myself that the, if I have to like tell myself that the Christian music is better because it's about God, but I don't Mm -hmm. feel like it's better. Like, but in the same way it was for a while, the The good music was was happening. Yeah. Like, you know, choral yeah. times and all that kind of stuff. But I will, I'm going to argue with you, uh, Christian pop punk 
in the late 90s, early 2000s. We own that shit. Yeah. <laughs> we were so say, good. Yeah. Stretch, MXPX, Stretch Armstrong. And Ber- I, we, we were doing it. Reliant K. There wasn't any better but, in the yeah. world. You think Reliant K is better than like Fallout Boy and Good Charlotte and that no, kind of thing? They're adjacent, let's be honest. And they played together, which is hilarious. Oh, okay. They were good enough. Like, and I think it's it's funny. I think, honestly, for me at least, it's evangelicalism and secretly capitalism that is like just like made the church like trend chasers. Yeah. Like what's mm-hmm. what's what are the kids talking about today? What's going to get people in? Let's let's just do that. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll do it. it but. But it's also like fundamentally misunderstanding the essence of that. Like there was a like I was in youth group. Someone did a rendition of Amazing Grace set to the tune of Smells Like Team Spirit or Teen Spirit, which is like, yeah, I mean. I sorry, I don't know how to react to that. <laughs> yeah, like it's cool. it's like rock and roll. Baby. Yeah, but it's like. It was like, I remember thinking, this is cool, but it would be cooler if this was Nirvana singing <laughs> the I, actual or song. Or it would be cooler if, they were, if this was 1992. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, this was probably 97, maybe, when this was done. 98, oh, okay, I don't know. okay. This was, yeah, in, I, this was back then. Okay. I this was, this was definitely, uh, yeah. I was, this, you I'm were in the youth Letting you know my time. age. Um, but... Yeah, so that that was my big thing was it was it feels like it's just this like, oh, this is happening. But like when you take that tune and put it to Amazing Grace and put it in youth group, like you are fundamentally misunderstanding why that song is good. Mm, OK. And so like in some ways, I feel like that's something that the the church has done is it's like we're just chasing these trends, but we're just like we're not like understanding the art. We're just like in the oh, like like if I want to talk about like actual artistic terms, like oh, cubism is in. Let's just make cubes. You know, it's like well, that's not mm, that's you're you're fun. You're not getting it on like the yeah. level that yeah. you're supposed to get. Well, it's this yeah. uh, idea of relevance, right? It's the chasing of relevance. I think a lot of artists can relate to that in any like whether not in the church or in the church. It's like okay, well, I want to. It's hard to remain faithful to your. You're you're influenced by the world around you. It's like people who say, I just preach the Bible. It's like bullshit. You have like a lens because we all do. That's just how being a human is. And in the same way, being an artist is, you know, there's a great book called Steal Like an Artist. Like we're all influenced by the world around us. There's no way not to be. But I feel like the church in an interesting way is chasing relevance because you work, Jeff, with people who are, you know, uh, different kinds of businesses. Do you think it's, do you see that same sort of, chasing of the the relevance you do yeah yeah oh yeah totally totally yeah it's interesting because of course yeah i like i said i started out like just fully enthusiastic about the idea of working for a church and then i became i slowly over time became more and more disillusioned with it and feeling like uh this seems kind of like cheap and hollow why do we need to like market and brand the gospel shouldn't it speak for itself that kind of thing but of course, yeah, like, yeah, working in the corporate America, working like in, in the real secular world can also feel um, false and hollow. And, and I can have like a, a conflict of interest or feel like I'm like compromising my, my own personal ethics and values by working for non-Christian clients mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's not like it's not like everyone outside the church is completely innocent either now i i mean i guess that makes me think about okay so you've been doing this work for a while and and you started talking about your deconstruction in really creative ways and that's how i first found you um our friend kevin garcia had posted your uh video on their timeline and uh mm-hmm. and then i looked at it and i was like oh this is really unique and interesting and the kind of art i like and then to then see oh this person worked at a church like what what in your creative process or what made you feel like you wanted to express this side of it and tell that story, right? Because art's about telling a story, right? Yeah. What made me want to talk about my own experience yeah. I mean, with, with deconstruction, deconverting? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I guess, yeah, part of it was like wanting to just be an honest and upfront person and kind of set the record straight because I felt like I had been 
I don't know if I was an outspoken Christian, but I was, you know, I mean, all my friends knew me as a very serious, very committed Christian for many years of my life. You know, like I, I went to Bible college when a lot of my friends went to like regular college, you know, and got real degrees. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would, I started working for a church when a lot of my friends, you know, worked for like the, got regular jobs in the, in the secular marketplace or whatever. And, uh, you know, at the time I felt like, you know, I felt bad for my friends and I felt like, oh no, they're, they're straying away. You know, they're, they're not, uh, I need to pray for them because, you know, they're, they're just being consumed by the ways of the world or whatever, you know? And now I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm in the same boat as my friends. I'm just like 10 years behind the curve. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, part of it is like, I don't know, this sense of, embarrassment or a sense of like wanting to like share what I've learned sense of regret maybe for like investing so much time into something that I don't believe is true or right anymore maybe trying to pay some kind of penance for my sins (laughs) I don't know does any of that track yeah I mean we hear it right like people are like we almost feel like we owe it to people to explain where we are in in a unique way like when you start doing art differently you don't you're like look I need to explain to you why I'm no longer using this font, you know, or, or why this is, we don't go into the same, but when we feel like our form of expression has affected so many people, there does feel like we like mm-hmm. owe it to the world, maybe a little bit in a different sort of way. I don't know. Yeah. You feel like you have to like overcorrect or like the things I, I remember saying to students, especially in my early years of ministry, I'm like, I can't really go back to all of them and mm-hmm. like unteach that. <laughs> right. But I feel like I need to like there does is a certain amount of like a desire to contribute in such a way that you make up for what you what you did, I guess. It's kind of an odd it's an odd feeling of like I can't go back, but I have changed so much, uh, but I also have these like things that I want to do and say. Yeah, I is there stuff that you like, I don't know, for me, it's like, I don't want anything to be lost. I don't want anything to be, cause I mean, I'm probably, I'm less where you guys are completely. Uh, every, it depends on the day, like Tuesday, I'm agnostic. It's fine. But I feel like there is, yeah. Was there good that came out of, cause I, I mean, Justin, you and I talk about this a lot. Like there was good that came out of our time in the church and, and sometimes it's easy to get stuck on like, and I'm not trying to make everything has a silver lining, but I think Mm-hmm. your work to me feels really hopeful just as an artist. And it feels that way, even when you're talking about the thing that was a little bit cringy or uncomfortable, um, would you say, I mean, you joke about I shouldn't have gone to Bible college, but do you, is there, are there still relationships or things within it that you're, you're grateful for or. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Very, I mean, very much agree with the nothing is wasted. I mean, partial part of that might just be a coping mechanism because <laughs> we don't have a time machine. We can't right, go back in right. time mm-hmm. and solve the problems. Actually, I mean, I've been thinking about this just constantly, honestly, because of a, a just personal thing that doesn't necessarily have that much to do with the church, but just, just got divorced recently. And I, I met my, my wife in Bible college and we were together for 10 years. Mm. And uh, that was, you know, that was something that we had, you know, we had both struggled with for, for years after we both like deconverted and we're both like, okay, we don't, we got married because, uh, that's, this was the thing you do when you're, when you're young Christians right out of Bible college, and we were going to be missionaries together. You know, now we don't believe in God anymore. So like, what is the state of our relationship? And, you know, I, I spent, you know, so much time just like thinking like, what if we could go back? What if we could like change, mm. um, you know, like what, you know, if we, if we would have been, met and fallen in love but like not been in this culture where we were forced to get married right away would we have just dated longer and cohabitated and then we wouldn't be like in this terrible situation where we've been together for so long and now we're getting divorced and you know it's just it's a bigger mess than it needs to be i don't know I'll just yeah just that to say like uh, your yeah, story is not unique to a hundred percent there's so many yeah, people yeah. who there's a lot of people saying Absolutely. you and me both <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah so just to say, I don't know, I'm, I'm and it, this is this is all pretty fresh. I'm very much still in it, very much still processing it. But mm-hmm. anyway, like, but just to say, like, when we were still together, I spent a lot of time thinking, like, this was a mistake. Yeah, if I could go back, I would do it all differently. Uh, now, now that we're past it, I'm I'm much more at a place of nothing is wasted. Mm-hmm. Like, 
even though like we didn't get along a whole lot of the time when we were married like i'm so grateful for the time that we had together so first corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that here at the speaking in church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church it's a podcast about change it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side you can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Yeah, I, don't I think know. that's beautiful. Another, I I mean, another thing I've been I've been thinking about is because I because sometimes I do get stuck in these like toxic mental loops of just like fantasizing about what if I could go back in time, what if I could go back and like go to a different school or not marry this person or blah blah blah. And another way that I, I'm able to be at peace with it is just recognizing that even if I could go back in time, I would just screw things up in a different <laughs> way. So mm-hmm. you can't no, win. No, and who knows? You might have caused World War Three. So you just, you never know. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. most yeah. likely. <laughs> That's the tough part. And the, the thing that we hear a lot um, is people who are married young, perhaps out of Bible college or out of whatever and then there is one stays within the faith and one leaves. But it sounds like both of you guys left. Yeah, we, we both left. My yeah, my ex-wife left before I did. So that I mean that was definitely a source of tension for for a while was we yeah. we were we were both like on staff at the church for oh, a while wow. and she experienced toxic church culture and left earlier than me while I was still like enjoying the work there. And yeah, it's I mean it's a whole thing for sure. But yeah, absolutely. We we both did eventually leave the church and leave the faith. Oh, that's hard. It's hard that it was like, yeah, it, it's just all tied together, right? So now the pain and the grief of that is also tied to the church. There's no way it can't be, is what we've heard from listeners before, for sure. And also like just folks who've come on and said like, my marriage didn't survive it. Or if my marriage did survive it, it took a lot of work to figure out how we were going to like do this thing. And most often they had needed to transition at the same time. Like we do have some of those mm-hmm. stories that are super hopeful, but it feels like because relationships are forced upon and not to tell too much of his story, but like Trey uh, Pearson's story is like, he was like pretty sure he was gay, but you know, had a girlfriend. And so you marry the girlfriend mm-hmm. and uh, that was someone that he loves and adores and they had children and they tried to do it. You know, they really tried to make it work. Mm-hmm. And then the truth was like, it never should have, worked in the first place and then they're both left destroyed crushed in so many ways who's who's to be at fault for that you know it's a that's a hard one for sure for sure so sit in it it is hard yeah and it's 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 very tempting to and i realize i sort of am doing this it's very tempting for me to like blame it all on christian culture or like religious upbringing or whatever Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm trying to just own own my own shit here in terms of like, you know, I still like made a decision. I was an adult. I was, you know, I was 21, which is young, but it's, you know, it's old enough to yeah. decide what you're going to do with your life. You were 21 uh, when you got married. Oh, Jeff. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. That is early. Oh, makes me seem like I was old. I was 22. Um, oh, I forgot you were 22 when you got married. But I, I, it is interesting. I, I'm, I'm sussing this out in therapy myself. Like the, the balance between being honest about your agency as an adult, but also like being honest about like some folks grew up in a cult, you know, mm-hmm. or, or cult adjacent enough that it doesn't matter. And, and rightfully naming that as, and, 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 and claiming that I'm going to use, this is kind of a strong word, but claiming that like badge of victim, like in the right way to be like, Hey, like there was a certain amount of this. I didn't have agency in. I don't know if you ever get that balance right, but it's, it's a unique, I think, struggle. And then for those of us that were in ministry and contributing to the thing that we're deconstructing from in a way that mm-hmm. was professional, that was part of our career, our lives. I feel like that's a, it's a unique kind of balancing out. Cause like I, I was in, I was a pastor for like over a decade, you know? So it's yeah. not like well into my adult years, I was in this. Yeah. Yet at the same time, there's a part of me now that's on the other side that was like, I don't think I chose that. 
in in some meaningful senses of that word. And in other ways, absolutely, I did choose that. And yeah, yeah. it is. I, I'm still sussing out, like, how do I rightfully take responsibility and ownership of my actions? And how do I rightfully embrace the fact that maybe I didn't feel like I had a choice because I didn't? Right. Mm-hmm. The expectation. Yeah. And free, well, free will is such a complex philosophical concept, you know, that mm-hmm. gets talked about. Like, I feel like Christians are in general are the biggest proponents of free will because like that's you need free will to be able to explain like why the problem of evil, why bad things happen mm-hmm. and all all this stuff. So because I've yeah, I've been in a lot of um theological debates with people, and of course, I mean the problem of evil is is so cliche and kind of an unfair argument, perhaps, but um I don't know. It, it's interesting because like I've gone down that rabbit hole of you know whether you want to be a Christian and be Calvinist or be an atheist and be determinist, there's you know a lot mm-hmm. of smart people arguing that free will doesn't exist. So, and, so that yeah, might give us an out for, for our past mistakes. It's your prefrontal you cortex lying to you. Well, I also think it's you know, like yeah. societal pressures in some ways too. Like um, we've talked mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. So part of my background, Jeff, is that I loved acting and I loved being on a stage. And where is an appropriate way to do that? I'm really good at speeches. Right. So where is a good place to do that? Now, it also felt like a good fit. It felt good in my heart to think that I could use this gift, my gift of organization, leadership development, all that stuff. I could use this gift for God. And then it's kind of an out like nobody's looking at me like I'm just doing the thing. And it it felt like a good way to do something that could be seen as indulgent. Right. Like it was it's an interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. The. Oh, okay. I was just saying, yeah, I resonate with that, with the, the opportunism, like to go back to what I was saying, like all the parts about my job when I was on staff as a graphic designer that I really enjoyed was like this, you know, there was always part, part of me that knew like, yeah, this, this is kind of problematic. Like churches shouldn't have a budget for a marketing department, but also like I'm enjoying that budget. Cause I enjoy like <laughs> having mm-hmm. a job with a, with a salary and like paid time off and an office and, and you know, basically getting paid to just show up and just make stuff and, and whatever, you know, like it was, it was a very enjoyable position to be had. And again, that, that goes back to kind of like the arc of my, my tenure there, I suppose, where it went from like, I love everything about this to like, Ooh, I feel I have mixed feelings about this to like, Oh, this is just a job, but I've got, you know, I, I've got to cling to this job. Cause I don't know if I can make it in the real world. I don't know if you guys Ooh, had that uh, struggle of like kind of that insecurity of, I definitely had that of like, I feel like I'm a good enough graphic designer <laughs> to make like church graphics, but I'm not good enough to make it in the real world, you know, like to go back to the Christian rock. Thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's literally the basis of this show uh, for some people, for half our listeners, at least it's like, what, I don't know how to do what's out there. And what if I'm not good enough? Mm-hmm. And what if all the success that I've had yeah. doesn't matter out in the real world? And the answer is sometimes it doesn't like. And then sometimes it does. And sometimes it does more than you think it does. Like, right. So all the times you were creating graphics, you were getting to work with a client. That was a client. The church was a client. And you were having that experience of having to do client work. And I think that is, but I I could totally understand. And to this day, I struggle with who am I in the quote unquote real world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I definitely feel like, I, I definitely feel fortunate. I should say, um, that like my the skills that I gained like on staff at a church are are pretty transferable to the secular marketplace because yeah you you guys were both pastors so and of course there's something with like organizational skills and public speaking and leadership and stuff I'm sure I'm sure there are a lot of transferable skills but I don't know is is that tough like is that tough to put have that on a resume when you're <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah oh for searching sure for jobs that yeah yeah we we have a whole episode i can't remember the episode number it's early on where we talk about like how the what language do you use to write resumes because when it could sound like you were a cult leader when you're when when like you're the discipleship coordinator like it's really not no one no one's going to look at your resume but yeah and, and that's that's a struggle too and i think it's a struggle for a lot of pastors in that like you know yes you were good at giving speeches and that's not a marketable skill in most workplaces these days but there was a lot of stuff that you did that that does transfer quite well well um, doing you know being able to give being able to communicate in a way that is concise and quick and 
I think that is, and also like leading meetings and things like that. So I would mm. say even your yeah. speeches. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm successful in my job, not necessarily because I'm really good at Excel, but it's because like, I'm good at being around people and being in meetings. And that was, you know, like, a lot of those, a lot of the technical skills, most people can learn those. Anyone can learn those. The, the soft skills sure. that a lot of pastors have had to just have to be good pastors. That's, um, you can't train that. It, or it takes years to train that. And you've already done that. And so I think it makes, it makes pastors, honestly, I think, very desirable if they've done the work emotionally. I remember right after ministry, when I took my first job, I was a wreck. <laughs> So, mm -hmm. you know, there, there is that, there is just a certain amount of healing from burnout, you know, and Sarah's talked a lot about burnout and, and just, and, and trying and recovering from that while also trying to like live your life. And then, you know, there's the depression and anxiety of, you know, being fired from the only job you knew. So there's, there's a lot that I think our listeners face, but I do think there's a lot of silver linings too. And there's a lot of like ways in which you can gussy it up pivot <laughs> into something good yeah well pivot pivot to something that, that that still feels good and and honestly for me like I, I mean there are things about my job that just i'm honestly aren't the best fit for me but i can leave at five mm -hmm. i can literally turn my laptop off close it and not think about that place until the following morning and that to me is like Ministry was not like yeah. that, for sure. Not a luxury you were afforded in your <laughs> no. pastoral position. No. Not at all. No, yeah. no. And I, I the, even the ability to like work with people. So how do you write that on a resume? How do you explain, like, I worked with a bunch of people who didn't agree, but we all were working towards the same goal, you know, and you're forced to because they're volunteers, right? It's not the same as like having hired paid staff, you know, and they're, and it's a skill mm -hmm. that I think if we knew how to like properly explain what it was it would be a lot better but uh yeah 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 like because when you have volunteers it's like you, you you can't like dangle a pay raise over their head no. like oh we're gonna clap harder for you at the christmas gathering where we thank volunteers yeah like we'll yeah. just clap yeah. a lot harder for you, you next guys get, year you guys get like, double fruit snacks this year. <laughs> yeah yes. yeah you guys you know on the in the staff actual gathering you will actually will get whiskey and wine because that was like, the, I remember that was like the big thing, people coming from the evangelical church to work with, work with us in the, you know, main line. And we're like, you guys have real whiskey and wine at your staff parties. It was like, we're adults. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. That's a, that's a thing now. Wow. Yeah. Welcome to mainline Protestantism. It's just it's wild over here because you can't have this. Welcome to the main. We have whiskey, guys. Welcome. That's how we're capturing the young Theo yeah. bros because they all love yeah. that stuff. That's your not. Your big uh, selling point, yeah. You get it. Do you guys have uh? Do you guys have listeners who who are in that position then? Who are um? Who are like closeted um, non-believing pastors oh, who are continuing yes. to preach? Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. I, I remember I remember hearing about the clergy project. I'm sure mm -hmm. you've, yeah, you've heard of that. Yeah, we're familiar with that organization. Them. And thinking like yeah, so, you know, somewhat resonating with their plight in certain parts in my career with the church when I, I felt like I was a non-believer but still like making graphics for Jesus though I always felt like I had kind of a degree of separation because I wasn't literally on stage spouting these words I was more just like making the supplemental material that other people were but yeah that, that's got to be a really emotionally agonizing place to be I can't even imagine yeah because yeah, I think a lot mm -hmm. of people too got I will say, I think the people who listen to this show anyway, got into it for the right reasons for like the, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so you're grieving, you're grieving a lot of um, letting go. What I find fascinating today, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you actually say, um, I was at a women's, it's like basically entrepreneurial, but a lot of them, it, you have to be doing good in the world with the work that you do. So whether you're a one-to-one -one or a give back or whatever it might be to be part of this organization is called the Yellow Collective. So they're all female entrepreneurs, they're coaches, they're speakers, they're all these things. And a lot of them have left a big corporate job or whatever it might be to come to do this work that they think is so important. It was really cool. Like the woman who like was the executive producer of uh, 13, what was the movie about? Oh, shoot. The, it was suicide prevention was supposed to be the um, deal with it. But like she was on stage today. So it's like all woke, awoke was on stage today. It's just all these really cool people who are 
doing creative things in the world. But we had this grief ceremony this morning where all these women came and I, and I, I thought I was going for one reason, which is like, I still grieve losing, like losing the job, the relationships around the job, losing time. Like you said it earlier, Jeff, and you said it really quick, but Mm -hmm. I'm 10 years behind my friends. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of these women feel that sense of like, and none of them were church people, but it was interesting. So what they did is they had us write down what grief we were coming for. And I thought I was going to be the only one that had like a job related one. Cause all these people are like these cool entrepreneurs. What are they grieving? Thought a lot of it would be like family members. And cause it was just sort of open to however you interpret the grief that you're bringing into this space. But so many people grieved missed time and also mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. life that I thought I would lead. Like the, the life I thought I was supposed to lead. And a lot of these are creatives. So like the, the way I thought I would be able to express my art in the world and realizing that's not going to be possible for me. Now I have to pivot my business. I need to, that thing that I like held on to so dear, or the reason I thought I was doing this, it's, it's not the thing anymore. And it was really interesting. Divorce came up a lot for people like we're doing this work and it's taking everything and wow, it's just, it felt really good. This sounds terrible. It felt really good to hear people that are not pastors grieving things that feel very relatable as someone who has left ministry. So mm-hmm. I cried a lot, guys. It mm-hmm. was, and I'm Canadian, so it's like practically illegal. I'm just kidding. I'm learning to cry. It's good. Do Canadians not cry? Is that We a thing? just make jokes. Yeah. Oh. That's why yeah. there's so many funny of us. So many funny Canadians because we, we just don't know what to do like with our grief, you know? I would say most former British colonies don't know what to do with emotions. Fair. I feel like humor, c- Canadians and humor is much better than like Americans and like, I don't know, violence. I don't know what our thing is <laughs> but when we can't do it for our emotions, but it's It is violence. Like untapped in grief is like the, yeah. it's a great art, art motivator, but if you can't do art, it often makes you like just a really angry person. But yeah, I think mm. it, in some ways it's good to hear uh, a shared loss like so for me I let go of my art of for, for me writing a sermon is a craft I love it and mm-hmm. I still have the ability to preach occasionally because I am still an ordained pastor um, just outside of the church I'm on extension ministry is what they call me uh, which is essentially nobody pays me to do anything uh, is what it is and except I coach people but not from my own current denomination that much. Um, Somewhat, but uh, I digress. But I do, I, I grieve the process of writing. I mean, when else in the world do you get time set aside to be able to like read about something that interests you and then write about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Unless you're a journalist and journalists are also having, one of the girls that spoke today is a journalist. He's like grieving the fact that like AI is, is a threat and what do we do with this, you know? So. yeah. We're in a shifting world for yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm definitely processing the the threat of AI just making like everything I do irrelevant um, and being replaced by that. But mm-hmm. no, I resonate with that. Of like, the, I think that was the the Instagram video that um, that you saw and you responded to was because uh, that was kind of me grieving like the the former career that I had, kind of like what I already talked about, but just like having this space, like having a a steady paycheck and a space to just go in and create and just like experiment and try things and like bounce ideas off like the people on the video team and blah, blah, blah. Like in, you know, in so many ways it was like such a cool place to be creatively. And then of course, like on the side of that, it was also like, maybe we were contributing to like a very problematic institution that's like doing more harm than good in the world, but who's to say, but yeah, that, that, yeah. Part of that was me just like grieving the loss of, I don't know, yeah, the loss of innocence, loss of that that particular job, that particular career path that that seemed like so perfect for a moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just what about you? Do you miss the craft of writing sermons mm-hmm. or? Oh, for sure. I miss. It's. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I had twelve-hour days, at least two days a week, usually. I mean, and then there was a day off, you know, so it was like you work a lot, but a lot of that space of working is like reading, right? You know, there's like a lot, you know, like you, you settle aside time to do this thing. And I think, yeah, being able like the organization of your thoughts and like, yeah, there was a certain craft and art to it. And other than like maybe stand up comedy, 
Like there's just not a lot of transferable skills in some ways. And there's a lot of pastors that aren't funny. I mean, I'm, like, sure, it's, this, I'm sure it's great for podcasting. Yeah, right? it is. I mean, for podcasting, I mean, for sure. Like it, it, it and it yeah. gives us that space to do that kind of that thinking. And so I think that's, I think that's why a lot of former pastors become podcasters. A lot of them become, you know, or writers or something, but that's, if mm. you have the space and resources to do it. I mean, Sarah and I both do this like kind of on the margins of our life now, simply because like we, we have to pay the bills. I've got three kiddos that I got to find some way to feed and they, they yeah. don't stop eating. No, that's, you know, like that's a problem. <laughs> they just continually eat, but it's, yeah, I, I think yeah, finding that space is, is, is harder, I guess, or when it's not your job. And so I, I think I realized how, even though it was an incredibly stressful job, it was a job that took everything from me in a lot of ways. There are things I miss. And and I miss the like easy way to be uh, easy way to be involved in someone's life. Mm. Like mm-hmm. you, I mean, and and now I'm learning like oh, like making friends is a skill, and <laughs> I did not have that because like I you know I would move to a new town and I have a hundred new friends. Like, well, mm-hmm. I don't even have to try because you know. Yeah, everyone everyone just automatically wants to be friends with the pastor. Yeah, it was it was surreal when I so you know, I, I moved a lot as a pastor and then every time I moved, like there would be a boatload of strangers just ready to help unpack the moving truck, you know. And then when I moved this last time for a not pastor job, it was like, Oh, there's no one here to greet me. Yeah. <laughs> like mm. which is should have been a no dub, but it was just this odd, like, oh, that's interesting. There's a lot of skills I just yeah. don't have that I didn't need um, necessarily. That and it's and it's it's an interesting journey. But it's the again the older I get, the stakes get higher. And the like whole like when if I was 20, it would be like, oh, this is an interesting fun exercise. Let's try to make friends. You know, like let's you know. But now it's mm-hmm. like I'm 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 the stakes are too high now for me to like <laughs> just like yeah the. Make the up sense stuff. of community, the sense of community within Christian culture is huge. I mean, that's a huge mm-hmm. like asset mm-hmm. or thing that that Christianity or just religion in general has to offer. I would say, like, I think mm-hmm. about like all the times just sitting in people's living rooms, you know, discussing some passage of the Bible for like forty five minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. and like, you know, whatever. Even if we were just totally like just speculating and and pulling theology out of our butts, like that was a <laughs> meaningful time of connection and conversation versus like if you want to like make friends with like sinful secular people you gotta like go to a bar and it's loud and you can't hear anyone and like the, the alcohol is way overpriced you know, it's, it's not the same <laughs> for sure you can't be like hey it's, it's come more sit in my living room to make it's more expensive to yeah. make friends without the church like church is like free <laughs> yeah free friends so, we so i will say when 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 you do uh when I do like encounter someone who has like a similar backstory to me, like a similar like grew up super fundamentalist, conservative, deconstructed, deconverted, no longer believes that that is like a, almost an instant connection usually of like mm-hmm. we have so much in common, so much we can relate to and like you so know, much so we don't have about, to explain. You know. And then so much we, we yeah. can explain and so much we don't like we can talk about things in a different way. I think I didn't realize mm-hmm. how yeah, I didn't realize how important that was to to be able to like when Justin and I started this show, we like was like, oh, maybe our moms will listen. Hopefully, you know, sometimes we're like, hopefully our moms didn't listen to that one. But I, I think there is. Yeah. Do, do your moms like the podcast? So I they, grew up in a really progressive home. Like- so I am. I'm very oh, okay. lucky that way. Although they listen to my friends' podcasts more than they listen to mine. Like, they'll be like, oh, did you hear on this week on the Bible for normal people? And I'm like, uh, Pete and Jared aren't even your kids. But yeah, no. My mom my mom likes this podcast, kind of. I have mm-hmm. another podcast she does not like. Yeah, but... tell her. Yeah, the, uh, go, go Home Bible, You're Drunk, right? Yes, that, that one. Yeah, yeah, I've listened to, I've listened to that podcast. I'm oh, a fan. thank you. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. It, well, here's the thing. The name attracts the right people and it scares away the right people mm-hmm. and that's what i like about it i think it's great and I, i've told my mom and all the moms out there not all the moms but a lot of moms out there it just maybe it's not the show for you and that's fine but for a lot of people it is the show for them and i, I like i like making it for sure 
Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about what it's like to go on this journey. I, we always want to offer a chance for people to just share, like, what's something that was helpful for you in this process? And maybe you're in the midst of it, so you're not quite sure. Just something that if someone who wasn't a pastor necessarily, but is grieving losing community as an artist, is there any sort of practice or something that you could just sort of offer as this was helpful, this was not helpful, whatever it might be. We have a group of listeners who gather and talk about these things. So. Hmm. Wow. It's hard to hard to pick just one thing. You're I guess have to like, pick which one I don't thing. know if this relates <laughs> yeah, specifically to to art, but I guess like just something I've just spent an incredible amount of time thinking about for the past several years is sort of existentialism and meaninglessness and the fact that like there is no ultimate meaning and purpose to the universe. For, from my perspective, I realize not not everyone <laughs> agrees with that that statement there. But it, it's something that I, I really feel like I had sort of had to process through and go through that journey of uh, it, when, when I first kind of deconstructed, deconverted, it, it, it was sort of a crushing, depression, depressing, like nihilistic kind of feeling for me. The idea that the universe has no meaning or purpose and it's, it's all just chaos. Uh, so I just encourage someone who's who's kind of like afraid to go down that route of I, I'd say it, it gets better. I, there is a way to view that as something that can be hopeful and a way to view the world as open and beautiful and available for creativity and experimentation. And yeah, the meaning of life can be whatever you want it to be. The fact that life has no meaning can be as sad and depressing or as freeing as you want it to be uh, in my opinion so mm -hmm. maybe maybe that would be helpful for someone who's struggling with that kind of mindset if, if they're questioning their faith thanks jeff that was really helpful and thanks for yeah, coming like on and you know we we are um just where can people find you where can they find your your work that you're currently okay with sharing uh yeah so my website jeffkane.com jeff with one f c-a-i-n-e or just at jeffkane on social medias. Yeah, I do illustration, graph design. I sometimes make videos just to kind of processing my whole <laughs> spiritual, emotional journey as well, which is kind of like why I'm here, I suppose. So yeah, follow, follow me on social media if you want, or hire me to do graphic design if, if you're into that. So thanks, yeah. Jeff. We really appreciate this time. Thanks so much, friends. Thanks so much for listening and stick around for the quote or song lyric. Or, who knows? You just don't know. Stick around. You'll find out. F around, you'll find out. Just kidding. <laughs> Have a great week, friends. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you are enjoying the conversations you hear on RevCovery, you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in the RevCovery room on Discord. To access our Discord, please join our Patreon to become part of the RevCovery room community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and this helps us produce the show, as well as gives you access to the community resources. Check it out at www.patreon.com revcovery. We know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are lots of ways to support us, including giving us a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. And make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Revcovery Room is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handle, so you can find us there to keep the conversation going. Now on to some final thoughts and this week's poem. Friends, thanks so much for sticking around for the end of this recovery episode. As I was reflecting on this conversation with Jeff, I thought about actually the poet Rumi. And there is this fantastic thing that Rumi said. Well, Rumi said a lot of fantastic things. But it's this, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I'm changing myself. I think as I was thinking about the conversation with Jeff, he talked so much about how he's this very earnest Christian in the beginning, and he really wanted to change the world. And then slowly it began to change him. And so I think the truth is, when we look at this world right now, there's a lot of things that need to be changed. And I think it begins with us. So I hope that today was a good conversation for you. And we look forward to joining you again right here in the recovery room. Thanks so much.
First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.